Namaste. Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Today I'll be speaking with return guests Molly Apple and Joe Dunn, authors of The Soulmate Experience, which won the gold medal for the 2012 International Book Awards and the silver medal for the Living Now Awards. Conversations is sponsored by HealthMasterySystems.com, holistic products and services for body, mind, and soul, and PurePlanEssentials.com, organic aromatherapy. Please visit these websites today. Molly Apple and Joe Dunn are the hosts of the popular Facebook community, The Soulmate Experience, which now has almost 64,000 members. Molly and Joe have dedicated themselves and their relationship to exploring how to keep the magic alive in any relationship. Their book, The Soulmate Experience, a practical guide to creating extraordinary relationships, offers both singles and couples an abundance of powerful and practical ideas and techniques for enjoying close, intimate relationships that are fun as well as transformative and healing. Molly and Joe are also the authors of the audio program Mantras for Lovemaking and are currently writing a new book entitled The Soulmate Lovers. You can find out more about Molly and Joe by visiting their website at thesoulmateexperience.com or join their community on Facebook at The Soulmate Experience. Please welcome to the show my very special guests, soulmates, Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. Welcome to the show, Molly and Joe. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having us, KG. Hey, happy to be here. I'm so excited to hear about what you've been up to since we last talked and hear about your new book project, The Soulmate Lovers. First, though, I'd like you to tell us about Mantras for Lovemaking. What inspired you to create your audio program, Mantras for Lovemaking? Gosh, what was it? It was a weekend up at uh, at a hot spring. Think where uh, where basically there's a lot of love making that goes on and <laughs> with us in a place like that, and we found ourselves realize that we naturally use kind of affirmations or mantras in the process of connecting sexually. We might use one, for example, I remember one in particular that Joe said to me, you know, when I had expressed concern of you know, looking older. Um, he said to me something like, these lines on your face are a celebration of your life. And it was powerful to hear those words. And in fact, you know, to have him say that a few times so that I can really let the meaning of them sink in, I think it was, you know, one of those times that we realized this is really a powerful practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole way home we uh, we started to create mantras. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and say them back and forth to each other. You know, think, things that we had said to each other over the years, and just you know, the kind. It's sort of something we've we've begun to do naturally. So, mm-hmm. anytime there's some issue between two people, or you're not relaxed, we can feel into it. And, and what we do with our our program is try to help people feel into what might work for them. So perhaps you could guide our listeners in a mantra for love making that's focused on self love later in the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, so tell us about your newest book project, The Soulmate Lover. What juicy topics are you exploring in your newest book that might interest us? Well, we start with, uh, the very first chapter is called Sexy is a State of Mind. And, you know, what we found in working with people is that everybody can connect with their, their 
feeling of being sexy and sensual, the first step is sort of letting go of these pictures we've been given about what sexy is or what attractive is and opening up a space to, to discover in yourself what's sexy, what's attractive, what feels desirable to you. And you might have to let go of some, you know, negative self-image at first to be able to, to really be successful at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It started in our, in our first book. We talk about um, that everybody has their own special way, and Joe, Joe put phrased it as one possible way of being beautiful. And that is a really powerful concept that I might look at a woman and think she's beautiful, and instead of comparing myself, uh, you know, my face against her face or my breasts against her breasts, I can look at her and say she's so beautiful, and I'm she's beautiful in one way, I'm beautiful in another way, this woman's beautiful in another way. And when you say that, you can feel it. No, no matter, you don't can look at anybody and see the beauty in them and mm-hmm. even the sexiness in mm-hmm. them. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is that you look for the beauty. You sort of assume there's beauty in everyone, and you look, you focus, you create what you focus on. You look for the beauty, and you are transcending this comparative, the lower sort of, you know, because there's that I think is problematic. What you touched on right there is that comparing mind. I mean, that kind of goes back to what you were talking about. You know, maybe you were thinking of a comparison with having lines on your face or that you were getting older or, you know, am I, is that true or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Associated just with age and not with beauty at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great practice of, you know, I'm, I just turned 50, so this is up for me, the age is up for me. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, if I look at a 60-year-old woman or a 70-year-old woman and say, what is beautiful about this person? Mm-hmm. When I'm 60 and looking in the mirror, it'll be a whole lot easier to see in me what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that as you get older, because I'm 60 now, uh, as you get older, you realize, hey, I'm young compared to when I'm going to be 70. <laughs> you know, so enjoy it. Enjoy as young as I am right now. Yeah, and so you give up that sort of, because the comparing mind in a certain regard is like a complaining mind where you're focused on looking at things like in a rear view mirror kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Comparing is kind of like a rear view mirror way of looking at things. It's a it's a really reversal of a direct approach to life and experiencing life in the present. It, 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 and somebody always loses in a comparative situation. Right? Somebody's always less than, whether it's you or whether it's the other person. Right? Yeah. So that you still got that set up. Yeah. yeah. It's really the, all of that is really the opposite of walking in gratitude. Yes. Yes. And celebrating, I think this can carry us into a little bit more of a discussion about sensuality, sexuality, which I want to touch into. You know, uh, uh, celebrating our uniqueness, celebrating our sensuality, celebrating our sexuality. You know, as children, we are all naturally sensual. And, uh, you know, you want to have a discussion here about what happens to our natural uh, and healthy connection to experiencing ourselves as sensual beings. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so a child, right, is so attracted to something like wet sand. If you can remember playing with that, I, I played with wet sand for hours and hours. You know, as an adult, when we go to the beach, do we put our hands in the sand and just feel the deliciousness of the sensations of that? 
Or have we gotten so into our heads, so out of our bodies and into our heads that we we just don't even see it anymore? Yeah, only if a kid pulls you in that direction <laughs> to, to <laughs> dig uh, dig in the sand or make sandcastles. Or so so we are we are really getting into all the different ways that we've been out of touch with our senses and how to how to naturally and joyfully get back into that connection because we connect with other people through our senses, through mm-hmm. sensory experiences, mm-hmm. like putting our fingers in wet sand. When you do that together with someone? Yeah. <laughs> well, sensuality, sexuality, to me, that is the point of physical incarnation. So you have, a, you have that experience. Another way to connect, a very direct, powerful yes. way to connect. Yes. So some people experience that, you know, I think that you can, and what you are exploring is uh, transcending the separation that is inherent in a 3D, and the illusion of separation that is inherent in a 3D experience. Yes. So talk a little more about some of these explorations that, you know, give us some ideas about how to explore our sexuality. Do you know how sexy it is to share a mango? (laughs) There is so much opportunity out there for sexual, sensual connection that doesn't even involve, you know, getting your clothes clothes off and, you know, uh, just, just eating something like that together, putting your full attention on it and... The, the feel of it, the textures, the flavor, the look. I mean, vegetables are the most beautiful things, just naturally beautiful, stunning symmetry. You cut something open and look at it together. I mean, we've just been having more and more fun with this. Like, how many ways can we enjoy our physicality together? So we can, we can go on a, a date that's just about listening. Might we might go outside and, and just sit on the bench and, and listen to all the sounds around us, you know, whether it's the wind or the birds or... And then you do, ha- do you have sort of like share your experience, your sensual experience of what... Yeah, because, you know, one of us might be tuned into something that the other person isn't even aware of. You mm-hmm. know? So it, it, it helps to share it to open up uh, each other's senses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Typically, too, when we take a walk, I've noticed this, that I... I tune into the little tiny wildflowers by the side of the road or the little tiny stones that are sparkling, and Joe will see the vistas mm-hmm. that he naturally sees the big picture. And when we share those pictures, I mean, we, it just gets more multidimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm likely to walk past that little flower. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful that, you know, you do, you know, help bring each other's awareness to these different aspects and weave them together, you know, so mm-hmm. that you, you know, you you have this shared experience and you get to witness more of what life has to offer as a as a sensual experience. And um, I'm, I'm thinking also, I mean, it's just screaming that Venus, the goddess of love, is all about sensuality and sexuality. She rules the, the planet Taurus, which is all about the sexual experience. Taurus, restaurant. <laughs> you, know, tor- you know, Taurus is right in the center of that restaurant. And it's about having those sensual 
experiences. That is part of what the love experience is about, is having this sensual, sexual experience. That's a shared experience. So we, we really want to take dates beyond dinner and a movie, mm-hmm. right? Dinner is, is, is a naturally sensual experience, as you just mentioned, restaurant, but I think sometimes we miss the sensuality. Or we forget, yeah. Mm-hmm. We just, we're so in a hurry to get to the next thing. That mm-hmm. We won't take the time to, to really the journey. put our attention on it. Right. Yeah. It can yeah. help to go to eat a kind of cuisine you've never had before, to challenge your I don't like beliefs of things that you know you think you don't like, um, aside from things you might you might avoid because of religious or ethical reasons or, or health, reasons. health reasons. But beyond that, we all have these. Most of us have these things we think we don't like, and those are a place where we we talk about exploring the edges of our sensory comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit more about you know the ways you do that. Well, let's see. Um, Eggplant joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked eggplant. Never. <laughs> I grew up, and then when Molly started making eggplant, oh, I'd avoid it. And mm-hmm. You know, but, but Molly, being the person that she is, somehow uh, uh, invited me to, to take another look at it and, and, and you know, taste it differently. And uh, Gosh, you know, the, the other day we were at the farmer's market, and Molly says, oh, should we get an eggplant? We're going to get some eggplant. <laughs> To taste something together, something that you have an idea that you don't like, and to Mm -hmm. taste it with somebody who loves it, Mm -hmm. and to ask them to share with you, what are you tasting here? What is it about this? You know, granted, we have different different complements of taste buds, and we have our own experiences with foods, but we really can feel into somebody else's experience and and begin to take that on and begin to love something Mm -hmm. through somebody else's love of it. Yeah, I mean, you may have to ask yourself, you know, what about the millions of people who do love this particular food? You know, how do they get that? Can I taste what they're tasting? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a wonderful example, and I I could go on and on, all the things that you could explore and witness through someone else's experience, Mm -hmm. you know, to expand your horizons and to... Mm -hmm. Have a, di- a totally different experience of your life because a lot of uh, what you experience in life has so much to do with your perception. True. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if your partner can, uh, you know, uh, can evoke a little bit of a shift in that perception, it can go a long way towards, you know, really expanding your own experience. Yes. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we're always talking about this playing at the edges, and I think that's what it's about, KG, is is really playing at the edges of, of your perceptual um, awareness of, of what, it's not exactly the right way to say it, exploring the edges of, of your limited perception and opening that up mm-hmm. to... All of these things could be wonderful. Somebody in the world loves this. Can I love it? Can I find something to love about this? Mm-hmm. And gosh, it just opens you up to so much more pleasure. Yeah, well, that is such a wonderful uh, love practice and a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were um, walking in the local farmer's market a 
few months ago when we were working on part of this, and a guy ran up to us with a card and said, come in here and try this new thing. And, you know, at first we back away just for a second. We're like, wait a second, this isn't what we do. We go like, what are you talking about? What is this new thing? And he said, come on inside, and we've got this brand-new machine. It's a whole-body vibration machine, and you stand on it, and it shakes you. It's developed by NASA, and it you know, gives you this internal massage and gets all your muscles working. And we just, we fell in love with those machines. <laughs> and, and if we hadn't had that that attitude towards opening up and trying something new just because it's new, mm-hmm. we would have missed out on something really fun. Well, uh-huh. we watch so many people turn it down, right? Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm not interested. I'm not going to get up on that machine and make a fool out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll make a fool of myself on that machine any day, any day of the week. <laughs> well, the, it sounds like the child, you're allowing the child to come out and play. There's that, you know, that's what I'm also hearing, you know, that you're allowing your 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 child, your inner child, that childlikeness, not childishness, but childlike, the open heart, you know, for like like playmates to explore and have these original experiences of life. It's like, you know, allowing your, giving yourself permission to, you know, be childlike again and open up your world to having whole new experiences. And a huge part of that is enjoying your body, allowing yourself to enjoy this body. Mm-hmm. That our bodies were designed to play, mm-hmm. and, and we get in these these ruts of yeah. Yeah, I'm an adult now. I can't do this. Yeah, you know, I've got to work. I think that's so related to shutting down our intuition. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the physical, a lot of our intuition comes through the physical, the feeling, the felt. You know, it's really tied into our physical, being in touch with our physicality and our sensuality, our intuition. Shut down, senses shut down, intuition shuts down, mm-hmm. our ability to connect sensually and sexually with another human being, it, all, it is all connected. Yeah. So talk a little more about how this repression of our natural sensu- sensuality, how, how does that affect our relationships and being able to be intimate with another person? If I'm if, if I'm not in touch with my own body, let's just start there, right? Just the just sensations, just the ability to open up to new sensations because I don't do it very often. You know, it's going to be a whole lot less fun to explore with a partner. You're going to be very uncomfortable, probably. You know, if you're not comfortable with your own body. Mm-hmm. And just 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 having the the ability to sense. To, to put my attention on my senses, to really feel like the pleasurableness in, in a simple touch, a simple caress. If, I, if I'm in practice of touching things and feeling how the texture of this couch is different from the texture of this wood, is different from the texture of this rose petal, you know, my, my, my senses are more open and a much more pleasure comes from touching Joe's cheek, for example. You know, I feel the warmth, I feel the smoothness. Well, for me, <laughs> just hearing you talk about this is a very sensually pleasurable experience for me. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an aromatherapist, so I'm, I'm really into the senses and to sensuality, mm-hmm. you know, sexuality. I myself turned on very young. I. You know, I got into self-pleasuring, I think, when I was 10 or 11 years old, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know if that's young or not. I mean, I don't know what statistics are for what's 
of the normal age that I think everybody does. Mm-hmm. I think all children do begin to experience sensual pleasures of their body at yes. at some age. Absolutely, some in the womb. So, well, that's an interesting concept. You know, I mean, you know, maybe it's always there. You know, and maybe we just become more conscious of it and start more you know, acting on it somehow or doing the self-pleasuring thing. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I... Consciousness shuts shuts a lot of it down. Yes. You know, there's so many signals from our caretakers and the world around us, you know, that that's not okay. And we want that approval and acceptance by our tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where our security is. So now, you know, now to do own exercises and starting in the privacy of a room to just allow yourself to get naked and move your body. I mean, to many people, that's a scary concept. To take off my clothes and put on some music I enjoy and just allow my body, allow the music to begin to move my body. For many mm-hmm. people, that's really difficult. That's challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with all the shades drawn. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if that's why... The invisible audience we developed when we were young, right? That there's somebody watching, judging what I'm doing, and so that really holds me back. Well, that's an interesting concept, that somebody's watching you. Yeah. <laughs> that you're not just there, you know what I'm saying, having an experience. So that's kind of interesting. I, I, I've never, you know, I must not ha- have that very turned on that somebody's watching. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I feel self-conscious. That somebody is in the room watching me, you know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, but I, that's maybe some people that are listening, maybe they have that sense that somebody is watching them, so they need to watch their, they can't just freely express themselves in the privacy of their own, mm-hmm. you know, when in their own company. So there's a good test. If you can, if you can turn on music and dance naked in your living room, as long as you know you've got the shades drawn, if you can do that and feel totally comfortable, then you don't have that issue. <laughs> but I think it's pretty. Cool. No, I just feel right now when you're talking about this, I just my inner child just lit up like a oh wow that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go do that. <laughs> so here's another step for it when you do that. Move from music you like to music you think you don't like mm-hmm. and dance to that mm-hmm. and let it move you mm-hmm. to really to continue to expand along those edges of, of where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. You might surprise yourself. <laughs> well, I really love flamenco. <laughs> I love listening. I work my day day to day. I listen to a lot of Jesse Cook and uh, I just because it doesn't have any words. It's just got that rhythm, and it's always it always feels very smooth and relaxing. But at the same time, there's all this movement, so um, it just really gets my creative juices going. And how is it when you dance naked? To it? Um, you know, but I don't know that there's much difference with me. That's great. I have to tell you, I don't, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, natu- you know, all natural. <laughs> I have to say, I don't feel like I'm encumbered by my clothing. I wear 
loose natural fiber, fiber clothing and I like to feel like I'm totally, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like I'm, I'm hidden by my clothing. I don't put my clothing on. My clothing really supports me to express myself. It doesn't. It's surprising in, in what's going on today. Well, we have a teenage daughter and it seems that the girls, even though in our society nudity is more and more and more prevalent, but comfortable being nude seems to be farther and farther away for these girls. Mm-hmm. That they're so they're so concerned about how their bodies look that they cannot even get undressed in front of each other anymore. Everybody, you know, we're swimmers, so we're in the locker rooms a lot, and the younger women pretty much wrap themselves in towels to get dressed and undressed. Even the guys do. I know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more and more common. That they're just not comfortable enough. Well, this is interesting because what you're talking about, because I did want to have a little bit of a uh, conversation here about, I know you have a teenage daughter. How old is she? Fifteen. Okay. Well, have you had the discussion about her sexuality, sexuality with her? And if so, I'm sure there are parents listening who would love to know how to have a healthy discussion about sex mm-hmm. with their adolescent. Yes. A discussion that's heart-based and relevant to the modern-day social uh, pressures that kids face in today's world. So, I'll tell you, tell you one thing we did in that in that vein, and this was a little bit controversial, but man, it was totally wonderful. We watched all eight seasons of Sex and the City with her, mm-hmm. because that show covers pretty much every sexual topic out there. And so that we could have this basis for having these really, really cool discussions with her about all of this stuff, and she wasn't getting her information from somewhere else. Yes, because they're going to get their information from somewhere. Right. (laughs) Better be the influence. And we find that show, you know, to be very woman positive. Mm -hmm. And so it it was a great basis for, and for the three of us to sit there together, pretty much she would sit in between us watching this show. It was amazing. Just amazing to me how how it, the timing was perfect and the topics were perfect and even though not that we never cringed once yeah. in a while <laughs> <laughs> and she cringed <laughs> but but for her to be able to talk about all these topics with the adults in her lives that she loves totally it was totally fabulous and has made ev- everything's everything's open for discussion between the three of us yeah. And she comes to us with anything that comes up that she hears and wants to know more about where the people she goes to, which has just been amazing and fabulous. That's great. Well, you know, today we have this epidemic of genital herpes among young people. And uh, do you know any of the statistical evidence between the increase of sexually transmitted disease and you know, in modern-day society and education about healthy expression, sensuality, and sexuality, is there a connection? And if so, what? Hmm. Hmm. I, I, you know, I'm thinking of, again about my daughter and what I hear from her. We're still in an era, even in this, you know, time when everything's available of girls in particular not wanting to, to use birth control or condoms because the guys don't want that. I mean, I'm just shocked that we're still in this era, even when they all know about STDs. Mm-hmm. They hear about it early. They're, you know, the schools keep educating, but I, I don't know what we can do to bring more comfortableness of, of this topic. You know, our daughter says 
the parents ought to be talking about it with their kids because she, as far as she, absolutely, she that's not happening mm-hmm. in in the in mainstream. Mm-hmm. So you know, can we? Talk, it'd be lovely if we could talk about those things, right? How to keep yourself safe mm-hmm. and how wonderful sensuality and sexuality can be in a safe, loving environment. Yes. You know, but and we're having conversations with her about how how can parents broach this topic. We're actually uh, the third book in our series is going to be the Soulmate Family, mm-hmm. and she's writing pieces to contribute to that. And she's really our go-to person for asking these sorts of questions. <laughs> this is such an important. I mean, it's the health risk to young people with having a chronic infection that they have to take a heavy pharmaceutical to keep it repressed because it's a real social stigma to be going around with a herpes outbreak. Uh-huh. So, you know, and, and it's just very common. It's a very common thing that, that you know, people do have, yeah, you know, herpes. The only, one, the only thing they're up against. Either. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's they're up against, the, yeah, it's, I didn't have any, I mean, it's just, I have nothing to compare it to with uh, when I was a teenager. And, and the other huge difference from when the, all all three of us were teens is internet porn. We've you know this is the porn generation. Mm-hmm. These kids, by the time they're 12 or 13 years old, the majority of kids in this country have seen multiple hardcore sex scenes mm-hmm. on on the computer. Mm-hmm. This is a totally different environment than we grew up in, mm-hmm. especially given the nature of most of that porn that they're seeing, the stuff mm-hmm. that, that's coming available to them when they don't go looking for it and it comes to them. Mm-hmm. Hardcore, don't give a crap about the people, don't give, don't care about sensuality, don't care about pleasure. We care about genitals and orgasm. Mm-hmm. We care about power over. Yes, yes. And not being in relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's and power and domination and it's much more lower... You know, and that's why I think education, I don't know. I mean, because you really, the thing is, I don't believe that repression of these, I think, you know, there's the dark side. There's the shadow side. There's the shadow element that dwells within all of us, and it's a matter of educating, raising awareness, consciousness, so you have the the power of choice to choose the higher choice. So it'd be nice if we were giving these kids a higher choice because at yes. the moment what they've got is internet porn, parents who might be afraid and uncomfortable about talking about sex, yes. and they're and they're misinformed peers, peers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, and they're not having a positive sex positive sensual positive. Yeah, well, I think discussion should start earlier rather than later. I think a lot of adult, you know parents just put it off until. Really, you know, they're on to being influenced by their peers and by what is, you know, rather than in the safety and just having discussions with their parents. Hear what I'm saying? When they can still be influenced, because I think there is, and it's different for different children. Some children feel they have to rebel because they maybe the the parents themselves have been too dominant or too dictatorial and not help the child feel that they can trust themselves and be empowered. Mm-hmm. I think that when a, a parent, in my own experience with my own child, 
always trusting him that he would make the right choice and really empowering him and believing in him uh, he came forward you know with uh, mm-hmm. our, you know with discussions and he would I think children give you cues when they're ready to talk about things and it may be I guess what I'm saying younger than what you think <laughs> they should be maybe you know exploring that topic yes. but when they bring it up it's the right time mm-hmm in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Just being, you know, we have to be willing to be vulnerable to talk about things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, even say that, wow, okay, this is, yeah. this is an uncomfortable topic, but I really want to explore it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think that is the issue right there. What you're talking about is the discomfort that comes up. We want to push it away because we're not comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, the conversations we had with our parents weren't very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, well, let's talk about this other thing. Uh, right before we got on the call, we uh, we were we touched on. Why is it that all relationship material that's coming out is focused on women and not whim, uh, women and not men? And why are men and gays excluded from these relationship webinars, teleseminars? Or, or seemingly, you know, seemingly. They're not being addressed, or they're not being marketed to. The focus is not put on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so what is it about the way that we are approaching better relationships that that is it that men aren't interested in better relationships? I don't believe that. No. That's no. Not. <laughs> is it that it may be a harder sell? <laughs> <laughs> is it that we're not addressing their desires? Uh, we know that we know that women want connected, loving relationships, but I believe, in my experience, men want that too. Maybe the, you know, maybe the, uh, maybe it needs to be specific to the audience. Of this is for for male, you know, a male like relationship with a woman. You know, maybe it needs to be like that because I I know men are as interested in relationships with women as the other way around. Mm-hmm. And the same with gays. I think gays are probably, you know, they're they're very interested in relationships. All the gay people I know anyway, maybe that's a stereotype, but all the gays I know are very interested in being in relationships, healthy, loving, you know, juicy relationships. You know what I'm thinking of here is there's a couple of chapters in our book that we know men in particular are drawn to. One of them is the transforming the energy of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And we go into some kind of new ideas there about, you know, using jealousy, not ex- not trying to change our partner's behavior, but unless, in, in you know, we're not talking about your partner's out violent or having an affair or you know anything like that we're just talking about standard I get jealous when you're attracted to someone else kind of thing and harnessing the energy that's generated in that situation instead of trying to repel it or uh, avoid it Mm -hmm. so what does that look like Oh, <laughs> looks very like sexy. <laughs> we have a personal one from yesterday, right? I went to see a new chiropractor, and we, you know, I saw him on the web. I said to Joe, "Yeah, his name's Joe, and he's kind of 
kind of handsome in this picture on the web. I don't know what he'll really be like. Well, the guy turned out to be just drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> and he had fabulous new equipment that does all this cool stuff that made me feel you know, a whole lot better with the little issue I was having in my hip. And Not the equipment you might be thinking. Of, yeah. <laughs> Came home and told Joe about this, and this is so rare. I saw in this man's eyes, like, Joe? He's like, yeah, I'm feeling a little jealous. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that she couldn't stop talking about him. <laughs> but this is this is wonderful to us, right? Why why is it? Because it's, it's a guess it's an energy that that you know if you can harness it and direct it, you know it doesn't have to have that ugh, feeling of jealousy to it. You know that that can be painful. I think in 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 many cases, you know, instead you use that. And I mean, I, I told Molly, I said, I, you know, I've been looking at you differently ever since then. Right? <laughs> and she said, well, maybe I ought to do this more often, you know. And, and uh, it definitely can be channeled. That energy can be channeled in a positive way that makes your partner more desirable. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of thing, I think, that is something that men, that you, you pique their interest because you're saying, you know, you don't have to go change. We're not talking about that. We're talking about using whatever comes up naturally for you and harnessing it. And incorporating that into the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, which means he might have to be a little bit vulnerable and share what he's thinking about uh, that woman walking down the street. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we have another exercise in our book that I know is, is appreciated by men is this exercise where you sit together in a public location and and maybe Joe will just look around naturally like he would if I weren't there. So many of us have this tendency to stop looking at other people when we're with our partner. We've been taught to do that. So in this exercise, I'm telling Joe that it's totally okay for you to look around, check out people just like you would if I weren't here. And what I do is watch his face mm-hmm. and feel through him, you know, where, when his interest is, is attracted to something. And it's a, it's a really, really connecting, sexy exercise that I know guys are like, wow, oh, that's cool, yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, getting more into your relationship means. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, I hear you say that to go into these places where you feel uncomfortable to deepen in your intimacy and connection with one another, you trust, you learn more to trust each other with, with your vulnerabilities. Right. So do you think that it's true that men love to hunt? And what about women? Well, I know I do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a part of what maybe what you're saying with this jealousy thing. You know, somehow it, 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 you know, you think, you know, you need to, you know, your get your hunt thing. <laughs> it, re- it revives your hunt. Right? <laughs> your your instinct to hunt. You know that you need to. You know, uh, I think there can be very positive things about that. You know, where you don't go into the negative side of that, which is loss, and you know, having this whole story about you're less than or not good enough, or you know, all that could surface. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And any of us can have that. You know, when you go into that earlier, we talked about the comparing mind. When we're comparing, we can, any of us go into that, no matter what you've accomplished in life and how many awards and recognition you've had. You know, there's there's always something else you could, somebody has something you don't have or, you know, there's always something, you know. So it's a wonderful practice to know how to be able to heal that within your partnership, right? 
So what comes up for you? Why do you get those jealous feelings when I'm talking about Joe the chiropractor? You know, what are you telling you about yourself that you don't have? And let's explore that. And, you know, when when we do those other kinds of exercises, if you if you're attracted to somebody and you tell me that, if I have some kind of negative feeling come up for me, I look at where is that coming from and I pull that out and I share that with Joe. And there's this incredible healing that goes on when the space is here to have everything be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a really a great thing to experience in a relationship, right? Because we all have. I don't know about all of us, but many, many of us, you know, have these desires or these uh, uh, interests. You know, we might be interested in the woman walking down the street. And if we don't share that with our partner, you know, there's an opportunity lost for deeper connection. Hmm. You know, and it's not like your partner's going to say, well, no, no, he never looks around. She just might be a little bit, uh, uh, feel a little bit challenged by it, feel a little bit insecure by it. But if it's something that you can bring into your relationship and share and work with and, and bring up the, the you know what what is it that makes me uncomfortable about it and and sort of you know clean that space gosh it's it's really really makes the relationship much much deeper much more connected yeah it's really hard now for Joe to make me jealous we really have to work hard on it because <laughs> we've cleaned out so much of that you know I don't do that to myself I don't tell myself those things that make me feel insecure uh huh yeah. uh huh. So maybe now would be a good time to do a guided mantra for for love making that's focused on self love and mm. self pleasuring. You know, here's here's a really simple one, and it's I am a beautiful woman. And when you say that to yourself, you know, if you're feeling what about the men? Who are they say the same thing. <laughs> they say I'm a beautiful woman. I'm a beautiful man. Or okay. I'm a desirable man. I am a yeah. whatever it is. I am a I'm sexy an attractive man. man. I'm an attractive man. And as you say it and repeat it to yourself, feel for the truth in it. Feel where it's true for you. And as you do that a few times, you can find more and more places where that's true. Whether it's a whether it's a particular part of your body, whether it's a way you are, or whether it's just a feeling within yourself. Just saying that and feeling for the truth of it, it mm-hmm. sort of expands inside of you. Yeah, and we all have that capacity, mm-hmm. right, to, to, to feel that. So it's like a sensual experience, like you're an embodiment of I am a beautiful woman, I'm a beautiful man, I'm a desirable man, I'm a dis- you know. And what about mirror work? I mean, would that be something to do in front of a mirror to make eye contact and it is, it is definitely, it's a lot more challenging for people. You know, we even start people just doing it with their eyes closed so mm-hmm. that they, you know, the judgment sort of um, lessened that way, the self-judgment. Mm-hmm. But if you can work up to doing it, and it's easier to do it in the mirror with your eyes if you w- use a word like beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, starting there and finding something, finding something that's beautiful physically, and let's focus on that first and reinforce it by when I say that to myself I look at that part of myself and then see if we can expand that a little bit whether it's you know the gentleness in my hands or the life in my eyes or you know smile Mm -hmm. yeah there's always something there's always something (laughs) yeah so you um can always find something to love and find beautiful in yourself. That's what I'm hearing you say. 
just opening your eyes to seeing yourself in that way and then you start seeing those features and those things about yourself that match up with that. Right, and it's a great counter to a lot of the, you know, conversation that we have about ourselves when we look in the mirror every day, right? Oh, I don't like, you know, we're picking out parts of our body, so I don't like this, I don't like that. So it's a great way to, to, to balance that out. And it begins to bring a sense of wholeness back because when we pick out parts we don't like, we're, we're kind of dismembering ourselves. We're yes. picking ourselves apart. Yes. And coming from the inside to say, I am a beautiful woman, seeing that physically, where does that manifest? It makes me feel more whole. Yes. Yes. Well, that's what healing is, is coming into wholeness, coming to wholeness, holiness mm-hmm. within yourself and really accepting yourself completely and knowing and you are doing beautiful. That, doing that for another person. Looking at Joe and saying, you are a beautiful man and saying, you know, take that in however you can and say and repeat it and repeat it so that you have this opportunity, he has this opportunity to find more and more of that. Mm-hmm. It helps when somebody else is there with you acknowledging you for that. Well, that's the purpose of the witness. The witness is very instrumental in healing. Mm. Yeah, to have someone a witness for you, it does help you to embody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know the, our caretaker takers. You know when we're growing up, most of us did not get that healthy mirroring, where we got the message we were okay, that we were lovable, that we were beautiful, and um, so we were you know or the experience we were having was the perfect experience that was. It was validated. Whatever our experience was, it was validated. And that's another thing I'm hearing you say is that when you go on these these sensual kind of outings with Joe, with one another, that you're validating. You're willing to have, share that experience that each other is having and saying, yeah, I, I, can, I can feel that one. That's, you know, and you validate, you witness it. And so it does help with the healing and the wholeness. And KG, I think that's part of the answer to the question of what men might feel is missing from these for them. Is that there, there's a fear that my desires aren't going to be validated. You need to stop doing this. You need yeah. to start doing this. And probably, you know, I mean, I'm not to stereotype. I don't want to go there. But I think that there is something there with the man's ego being a little bit more sensitive because of the socialization. Mm-hmm. So um, do you have any other programs you might like to tell listeners about before we close, Molly and Joe? Well, we do have, um, over at the Daily Ohm, we do have our Overcoming Jealousy course. It's a 23-day course, and it uh, takes you through where your jealousy you know, might come from, exploring that, and then into activities and, and explorations to, to take you through to a new place where you can approach jealousy in a totally different way. And actually look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's exciting. So, And we can purchase your books and audio programs. Uh, where can we purchase those, your other books? and Just about anywhere online. And if you want to go get two of the chapters of The Soulmate Experience, they're available as a free download at thesoulmateexperience.com slash free chapters. And one of those is Loving Your Body. Great. People love that one. A lot of what we're talking about here is, is covered in there. And then the second free chapter is Having a Guest in Your Life 
which is really the start of a, sort of a new paradigm for relating on this kind of level. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. So, everyone, you can find out more about Molly and Joe and their work by visiting their website at thesoulmateexperience.com or join their community on Facebook at The Soulmate Experience. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Molly and Joe. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you, KG. It's been fun.